Wednesday, the 19th of May. I'm Randy Kure. This is What's Up the Sports Podcast on Facebook and Twitter at What's Up Podcast. Hope you are doing well and keeping safe. Um, if you are a golfer like me, one who has uh, played for years and years, or someone who is more so a beginner, you'd hope that the upcoming golf season would bring some improved play. But how do you go about doing that? Is it trial and error? Do you resort to YouTube or do you have the direction of a qualified instructor? Craig Sealer is a golf instructor and CPGA class A professional and joins me now. Craig, thank you so much for joining me. How are you? I'm excellent, Randy. Thanks so much for having me on. Appreciate uh, the opportunity to chat about golf. Absolutely. Uh, you know, it's uh, all we could do these days, especially in the province of Ontario, and we'll get more into that in, uh, in a few moments. So on today's episode, we'll learn uh, some key tips on how to improve a golfer's game, as well as the state of golf in both your neck of the woods and in the professional ranks. However, I'd be remiss, Craig, if I didn't talk first about the last two golf seasons. Uh, you personally were employed in the golf industry fully for the last several years, up until the 2020 golf season. And um, speaking of the province of Ontario, uh, uh, last year started right around this time, as opposed to the beginning of April, the 21. Uh, golf season opened its doors for a couple of weeks and then closed back up again due to the province's stay at home order. Uh, with the, the, excuse me, with the delay of the uh, 20 golf season and the current pause of this golf season, how would you describe the past two years? Clearly it's been uh, something that we've never seen before. Yeah. I mean, the, the state of golf in the last couple of seasons has been, you know, one of flux. It's, it's, I mean, if you talk to any PGA professional at any golf course, um, it's, it's situations that none of us have experienced before. I mean, there's been a massive influx of new golfers, um, mostly equated to the fact that you can't do anything else. Like there, there's no other, um, real avenues for people to get out and just kind of be outside of their homes and, and you know, just refocus on something other than the fact that they're stuck inside trying to deal with a global pandemic. Um, so 2020 was uh, intense with a lot of new golfers, a lot of people, um, you know, I'm sure anyone who's, who's gone through the frustration of trying to book a tee time on a Saturday morning is, is dealt with that issue. So um, I know my staff were, were heating calls 14 days out every week, just trying to, to fill a tee sheet. So it, it's a great thing for golf. The fact that everyone wants to play and wants to be involved, uh, which we love, Um but it's just, it's just trying to control that from a club standpoint, being able to, to do things safely um, and, uh, and make sure that everyone can enjoy their game while you know, not having to worry about COVID issues, which has been the struggle for most PGA professionals this year. 
And a lot of measures had taken place uh, amongst golf courses. Uh, you know, you're not able to take the, you're not allowed to take the pin. Uh, courses reduced tee times. Corporate events were canceled. And as you mm-hmm. mentioned before, uh, there was uh, a wave of new golfers. Uh, I mean, uh, b- both you and I were probably a little bit too young to appreciate how many new golfers came in the mid '90s due to Tiger Woods. But it seemed that uh, the past couple of years there just seemed to be so many more people new to the game. Uh, was that, did you find that uh, to be uh, the, uh, the, the same thing? Did you, uh, did you uh, feel that uh, so many more people uh, had uh, started playing golf um, at such a higher rate as uh, from the last couple of years? Oh yeah. I mean, golf, it, it's kind of funny. I have this conversation with a lot of different people um, and, and it comes up a lot. Tiger Woods is almost, um, you could almost chart Tiger Woods's professional career with the blow up in golf. Um, it seems like when Tiger Woods is playing well and he's in the media and people are excited to watch him play, um, golf is in a state of flux. Like golf is just growing exponentially. Um, I remember when Tiger, uh, I was actually sitting in my pro shop watching Tiger Woods win the Masters most recently. And that very next season in April, we saw an increase of almost 30 to 40% tee times just from that simple fact of, and it's, it's almost like, it's hard to say, are those two things correlated or do they just kind of happen in in unison? But um, it's hard to deny the fact that when Tiger Woods is playing well, that golf does well. Um, When he had his fall off, you know, back in 2014, give or take, when he had his struggles with his wife and, um, you saw a major decline in golf and, and I mean, golf had been on a decline for a long time. A lot of golf courses were closing. Um, we weren't in that state of new golf courses opening, which is, uh, which was back in, you know, the 2004, 2005 range when there was new golf courses popping up all over the place. So it's, it's, it's really hard to say that, that the industry doesn't move with Tiger Woods's uh, professional career. And it's, I think it's a great thing. I think it's, it's, it was great when he was dominant. It's great watching him now and it makes people excited and makes people want to get out and just play golf, which is, which is awesome for us as PGA professionals. Yeah. And specifically to the uh, professional, uh, what the uh, PGA and LPGA could do. Uh, we'll get to that, uh, to that later, but uh, you know, I worked in the golf industry as well for a couple of years, as recently as 2018. And, you know, I found that, my personal uh, feeling was that the golf industry kind of missed out on those who took part in corporate events or charitable events. Uh, you know, you have a full shotgun of say 144 golfers. And if it's uh, like say a um, uh, financial industry golf tournament, that maybe a number of those players only play in uh, for uh, when they're invited uh, from a, uh, from a corporate perspective, or if uh, they're uh, fundraising money or uh, whatever the case is, you know, I just um, wonder in your opinion, like when there is a corporate event, do you feel that there is sort of a missed opportunity that uh, the golf, uh, that certain golf courses, golf courses uh, who have uh, the ability to uh, say, teach the game are not reaching out to those particular golfers, golfers who can, potentially afford uh lessons and play at a consistent basis yeah no definitely um corporate tournaments are always kind of a a funny aspect at golf courses 
um, you know, I'm sure you from working in the industry side of things, um, you, you talk to all sorts when it comes to, you know, you might have national energy rolling up on the tee and you got the first foursome going off and they've got one set of clubs between four guys. Yeah. So it's, uh, <laughs> it's, it's, it's fun. It's fun to talk to those guys that have never played the game and are just coming out because, you know, the boss has got them a, a day off on a Wednesday to come and play some golf. So, yeah, I think I think there is a, an opportunity there to to reach out to those guys that haven't played the sport and are at least show some sort of interest because they've involved themselves in that corporate tournament and they've you know taken a chance to come out and try it out. Um, I think the biggest thing for them that golf misses out on is the fact that it's a very intimidating sport if you haven't been involved in it before. So like if, if you're coming to a corporate tournament, you got a guy with a brand new set of tailor-made clubs or whoever, whatever he's playing in the bag, and you got a rental set from the pro shop and you haven't purchased a golf ball before, let alone know what one looks like. And it's, it's an intimidating situation. So I think if, you know, if golf could reach out to some of those corporate events and say, hey, like, you know, who on your list hasn't played before? Who's coming out to the tournament that's never never tried golf and and can I get their contact information and have a quick conversation? You know, can I, can I help them feel a little bit more confident when they come out to play? Cause uh, you know, golf, unfortunately has this, this air of um, exclusivity that, uh, that I think we need to break. And I think corporate tournaments are a great start to that. Just try to introduce the game to those people that haven't tried it before and make it fun. And, uh, and to that, the uh, reality is that uh, I'm, guessing that you have played uh, Royal Ontario in uh, well both of us are I, I think you're close to uh, Milton Ontario I actually live in Milton and Royal Ontario a very very tough course and when you have a uh, corporate tournament of say 50 people who have never played the game in uh, 35 degree weather uh, that playing in a course as challenging as Royal Ontario or any challenging course period that uh, it tends to get uh, a little difficult and little uncomfortable after a while and yeah and uh, there is that sense of exclusivity but uh, it just seems that there is uh, a lot of information and a lot of uh, education to uh, the game that uh, golfers are not uh, really grasping and appreciating and to that I'd love to learn uh, how uh, people can get to the fundamentals of the game you are a a CPGA class A professional and a golf instructor. And for a guy like me, I played the game a good 20 years before I really got to learn the mechanics of the game from my coworkers. Uh, and in your opinion, like what is the biggest misconception for beginners or amateurs when it comes to like addressing a ball? Like there's just so much education uh, for every golf shot, which players are just simply not aware of. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, if you were to, to sit down, I mean, luckily for you, I'm not a biomechanics guy, so I won't sit here and rack your ear off about, you know, kinematic sequences and all the fun stuff that come down with, uh, with breaking down a golf swing. But yeah, I mean, there, there's a ton of information on YouTube, which is fantastic. I mean, like guys like Rick Shields and, and those, you know, big YouTubers that put out consistent content about, you know, new gear and, and, uh, and fitting programs and how to, how to take lessons. I think the biggest thing that that you know people that are new to the game just need to know is that you know, you know for golf it's it's to just try it. It's it's to get to your local driving range and take a couple of clubs with a friend that plays golf and, and just go and hit some golf balls. Um, 
you can find millions upon millions of videos on YouTube about the best ball position for a driver and, and where you need to put the ball for a wedge and how you need to swing. The, the biggest difficulty I find is that people try to then take that information from YouTube, take it to the range, and then try to replicate it without anyone standing behind them that has information to help. The, like the biggest thing with golf lessons is, is it's repeatable because you have someone behind you that's giving you feedback. Um, you know, when you, when you take a shot, um, as a PGA professional, I'll stop and, and go through, like, how did that shot feel? Um, you know, where did you put the ball in your stance? How was your grip? How was your posture? And, and we'll walk through kind of the, the basic points. Because, um, I mean, for any beginner golfer, the biggest thing is getting a good grip, having a good posture, and, you know, just making a good swing at the golf ball. The rest can kind of come with time. You get better at those things. Uh, and you get better when you have someone watching you, uh, helping you out. But um, I think just trying to, to filter through the, the millions upon millions of YouTube videos and then trying to replicate that on your own um, just becomes a, a very difficult task. So I, th I think for me, for amateurs, I would just say, you know, try to reach out to a PGA professional or, or even to a friend that, that's played golf before and just, just try it out. Don't be intimidated by the game itself because YouTube tries to tell you there's only one way to hit a good shot. And uh, when you mentioned the driving range there and you have a bucket of balls and it uh, seems very important uh, from my uh, from my mindset that uh, club management in terms of, uh, you know, how many clubs uh, you use per bucket of balls at the driving range is just that much more important that uh, I'm of the opinion that uh, maybe beginners only solely use driving uh, the driver or the uh, the high irons there to, uh, you know, just grip it and rip it. And they're not really yeah. taking the time to, uh, you know, perfect their pitching wedge and uh, seven iron, et cetera. Uh, like, do you feel that people are just focusing way too much on distance as opposed to precision? Oh, yeah. I mean, just break down a, a round of golf, like, like how many – how many times do you pull out driver in a round of golf? I mean, you play a standard 18 hole golf course, you might have, let's say four par threes mixed in there. So that's, you know, you're down to 14 holes now. So now you've got 14 holes in which you can hit driver fairway wood or hybrid or something off the tee to get in the fairway. Um, but your other, you know, let's say, you know, 80, 90 golf shots are coming from, you know, seven iron down to pitching wedge and putter. So, I mean, those, those things aren't, exciting to practice they're not fun necessarily but the outcomes can be immense when you focus in on the things that really hurt your game um and it's funny i i talk to a lot of uh, a lot of members on the golf course when you know, they're out there and like oh I'm, I'm struggling with my driver today i can't find the fairway and i'm like what's the problem with pulling four iron off the tee you know put yourself in the fairway and then hit a seven iron into the green you know what's what's your seven iron look like and usually the conversation can you can change people's minds, but I think you're absolutely right. I think if you go to a driving range, you'll see six guys pounding driver just to see how far they can get it out there. And, uh, and they don't want to pull wedge and, and hit those little shots and, and try things out. So I, I think certainly once you get into the point where you're trying to, to develop your game and you're trying to get better at it, um, you have to take the time to focus on short game and putting and, and hitting those little precision shots that are going to save you strokes during the golf game. Cause you know, Hitting a big drive is, is awesome. It's awesome to go out and watch, you know, Bryson DeChambeau or, or Bubba <laughs> Watson pound a golf ball. But, uh, you know, at the end of the day, you know, they're not necessarily the guys that are winning the golf tournaments. It's the guys that can 
you know, stick a wedge to a foot and a half and make birdie. And uh, it, it is so ironic because my father-in-law, who uh, I definitely go out uh, to uh, the course with, and he's so critical of me that I can do so well on driver, but uh, my short game is just a complete disaster. And, you know, I keep telling him that, you know, for every bucket of balls on the driving range, especially before I start my round, I'm probably using three balls, four balls, uh, you know, for, uh, for my driver and the rest are, uh, you know, nine iron and seven iron, etc. cetera. Uh, also, I, I do want to ask, uh, you know, with regards to equipment, you mentioned uh, somebody uh, buying the most elaborate set of clubs and they go and play at the most, uh, uh, you know, uh, top, le- uh, top level courses. Uh, do you have sort of like a, uh, I guess, a, a suggestion in terms of how beginners should uh, get into the game when it comes to equipment, when it comes to uh, where they should start uh, learning the game course-wise? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, like uh, certainly equipment wise, there's, you know, unfortunately a vast number of avenues that you can approach for getting equipment. Um, certainly, you know, when cost becomes the the factor of, of why somebody doesn't play golf, then I'll generally push them to the, the secondary market, you know, Kijiji, eBay, things like that. Um, picking up a set just off of there. Um but to be honest, it's, it's, it's kind of funny. There's almost a, a complete backwards view in terms of things like club fitting or getting a set of clubs that is actually tailored to you. Um, most people would, would argue that custom club fitting is only for, you know, the, the four or five handicap that's out trying to win his club championship. Whereas myself and probably a lot of PGA professionals would argue that um, club fitting is, is right for really anybody. Um, there's nothing more, um, you know, infuriating for a new golfer than stepping out, you know, taking their first lesson with a PJ professional or, or just going and, and, you know, hitting some balls around and they have a hodgepodge of clubs in their bag that, you know, nothing's the same there. And, and the funny thing is, is my father-in-law is, is uh, he, he likes to play golf. He only plays a couple of times a year, but he's got the most difficult set of clubs in the world to hit. <laughs> he's got these little blades uh, they're butter knives. I wouldn't use them butter toast in the morning, but <laughs> he, he's, he's adamant that these are my golf clubs and these are what I'm going to use. It's like, you could benefit so vastly from just having a set of game improvement irons with a big cavity on the back and, and something that's got the right shaft for you. Like you're not out hitting one shaft as a stiff, the other one's a regular, the other one's an X. Uh, you, you just don't know. So it's, it's, the, the amateurs can really benefit from having a set that's actually going to work for them so that they can then develop, you know, over time, you know, so I, I think talking to someone, whether it's, you know, the associate at golf town or the PGA professional at the golf course and, and just have a conversation to say, Hey, I'm new to the game. I want to try a set of clubs. What do you suggest? And then they'll give you a, a number of different options from, you know, discounted stuff up to the most expensive and you can make the choice for yourself. Um, but just use the information that's in the market. Don't think that, you know, you can use, you know, your, your uncle's set of clubs out of the back of his garage and, and then play this game in any kind of enjoyment. And uh, specific to lessons, uh, I, I'd really love to know uh, if you're able to comment w- with regards to how to uh, like how you go about rolling up, uh, rolling out a lesson plan for uh, uh, your students. So 
obviously there's so many, uh, so many different golfers with so many different types of game. Like uh, one person may be uh, good uh, uh, putting and chipping. Other people might uh, be good to uh, as uh, uh, in their uh, approach game or off the tee. Uh, do you uh, sort of tailor a golf uh, program or uh, like a golf lesson specific to the golfer itself? Oh yeah, definitely. I mean, the first conversation I always have when someone reaches out um, with interest in, in a lesson is, is just kind of some fact finding. Um, it's usually, you know, right now, unfortunately it's, it's through email or, or a quick chat over the phone. I usually like to do it in person, just, you know, kind of having a chat face to face. You can learn a lot about someone just by sitting down having a conversation, but um, usually I just want to know, you know, why they're interested in taking golf lessons. Are they new to the game? Are they trying to develop something? Is there, there an issue that they're trying to get over? Um, and then from that conversation, I can generally tailor uh, the lesson program to what it is that, that, that you know, what outcome they're looking for. Um, Cause I, I certainly don't want to go and, and spend an hour talking to, you know, someone on the driving range about, you know, being able to hit a draw or fix a fade or whatever the, the discussion is, you know, when, when their outcome, you know, their wanted outcome from that lesson is to be a better putter or to, to hit more greens from hundred yards in. So the, the first thing for me, you know, I usually spend a good 30, 40 minutes just having a conversation, just asking, you know, what do you want to do? What's, what's your goal? Why, why are you here with me? Cause at the end of the day, you know, they're investing their time to spend time with me. You know, they're, they're investing money, they're investing time. So I want to make the most of those, those moments uh, to build their game because it just doesn't make sense to have a cookie cutter approach. So certainly, yeah, we, we love to tailor things to golfers and, and don't, be, uh, don't be concerned about that. Just, just come with what you want to do and let's work on it. So uh, Craig, I, I, at this time, I'd love to uh, talk quickly about the pros and uh, you mentioned about Tiger Woods and uh, the success of Tiger Woods usually translate to success at the uh, pro shop of uh, mm -hmm. the various golf courses throughout the world. Uh, uh, of course, there was uh, a huge uh, spike after Tiger won uh, the Masters uh, recently, but of course now he's recovering from uh, that serious car accident. Uh, Tiger Woods, however, could only go so far, and you know you mentioned uh, DeChambeau uh, is a very uh, prominent figure uh, uh, these days, but he's not really as consistent. I don't know if anybody could ever be as consistent as Tiger Woods, but, uh, you know, that being said, it, uh, who do you think the PGA should put their focus on in terms of that marquee guy? Is there one out there right now? Uh, I mean, it's, it's a very different golf game on the PGA tour right now. I mean, back in Tiger's day, you know, he was, he was the young kid that could contort his body in all kinds of ways and, and, you know, hitting golf balls 320 yards when guys were, you know, consistently 280. So like if he, if anyone, you know, that follows golf and watches it religiously, um, you'll notice that one week is never the same from the next, you know, one week Keegan Bradley might be leading the tournament. The next week it's Rory McIlroy's, you know, taking the Canadian open and then Justin Thomas is coming from behind. So it's, it's so hard to have any kind of a marquee guy these days because there's so many great golfers. Um, a lot of guys are playing really consistent golf and, and then you, you can have that guy that just has a blowout week and, and plays incredibly well and comes back. Like, you know, this most, most recent with, uh, I think it's yeah, cage Lee, you know, when he won the, the Byron Nelson, you know, that, that was a big event. Like he, he had 
you know, had a, had some good tournaments and top tens, but this was his breakout, you know, shooting minus 25 in a golf tournament and, and playing that well. Um, so it's really hard to say that there's one guy that can take the PGA tour to another level. Um, I, personally, I don't really see a situation where you'll have another Tiger Woods, another guy that um, intimidates the way that he did and, and rules a, a golf tour. Um, I think the great thing now is that you never know, like you, they go into a golf tournament, you never know who's going to be the guy to, to lift the trophy on Sunday. So it's, I, I love that, that aspect, the fact that I don't know who's going to win on Sunday. I love watching golf tournaments with that, uh, that feeling like there was, it was awesome to watch Tiger destroy fields, but it's uh, it's really cool to see the back and forth now that, that you don't know who tees off on Sunday, who's going to be in the winner's circle at the end of the day. So I think that's, that's exciting to me. Yeah. And, uh, I remember having a conversation with a friend of mine during the Ryder Cup and uh, when McElroy uh, uh, had that long putt, uh, I can't remember what the course was, but it was uh, he was uh, up against Patrick Reed. He had that long putt and then he was uh, sort of showing off to the fans there and then Reed came and knocked in uh, that one putt and he gave the finger wag as if he was Dikembe Mutombo on the uh, basketball court. And, you know, I thought it was beautiful i thought i thought you know forget about golf any sport uh that when you show that emotion and especially what mcelroy did uh was showing off and then he realized he got licked and then he uh, gave uh reed a fist bump and uh, acknowledged that yeah you uh you got uh, you got me on that uh in this one instance and you know i i just think that it's uh, just a, a lack of emotion uh that um is missing not only in golf, but in sports itself. What do you think? I mean, like if people, if uh, players put themselves out there a little bit more, maybe attract a little bit more attention, uh, you know, put themselves on the line a little bit more. Do you think that could help? Or do you think that the um, sort of conservative quote unquote, conservative way of uh, uh, players just simply playing the game is more realistic or, that the mindset is not going to change, uh, you know, you, you know what I'm getting at? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I think, I mean, that conservative mindset is, has really kind of steered golf a lot for over the years. I mean, you go to any club, it's, it's the, the, you have to wear a colored shirt. You can't wear jeans. You gotta, you know, that, that conservative mindset has ruled the game for a long time. And I, I think I agree with you entirely, like seeing that, that, competitive edge between two golfers that the week before they were very stone-faced and looked like nothing was getting off you know water off a duck's back for a week and and they showed no emotion and then all of a sudden you're in a Ryder cup or a president's cup event where there's two guys facing off against each other and they're going shot for shot and they're talking each other up and, and chirping at each other on the green I, I love that and it's awesome to see the fans get into it and they're hyping each other up I mean I think that's why everyone loves to watch the waste management when you know everyone's sitting there sure. on 16 and, and you got 20,000 fans just hyping Ricky Fowler on the team. He's telling them to get louder. Yeah, I think that's the way the game's going. And I think it's, I think it's awesome. I, I love to see it. I think, uh, I think golf needs to get away a lot from its, uh, its history. I mean, I, I think keeping, keeping what the game of golf is, is very important, but um you know, there's a lot of, of outdated stuff that we just need to forget to uh, to help the game grow and continue. So, you know, I, I love to see that kind of uh, that kind of emotion out of golfers. And I think it should happen more often on regular tournaments. Like who, who didn't love watching Tiger Woods fist pump and throw his hat down on 18 or, you know, it's it's exciting. It, it gets you amped up. So 
nothing worse than watching a guy drop a button and he goes and shakes his partner's hand and walks off the green. So yeah, a little excitement. Yeah. Movie. And uh, I mean, uh, here uh, locally, uh, when uh, the uh, RBC they had the hockey hole, uh, I think it was the uh, eighth hole on uh, at Glen Abbey there, and they mm-hmm. had uh, the fans uh, banging on the uh, the wall there. I don't know. I, I, I uh, yeah, Canadians like hockey. We get it, but I mean that. <laughs> Uh, hype uh, the high ap- atmosphere in uh, bringing that kind of uh, the hockey hole there was uh, I thought it was a great move and I, I don't think they've uh, they only had it that one year but uh, it was uh, pretty uh, pretty cool stuff and you know you talk about the uh, the dress code of uh, you know golf courses and so on and uh, you know regarding the LPGA like as a kid growing up like watching the sports highlights yeah the names like uh, Nancy Lopez and Annika Sorenstam were very familiar from when I was a kid, uh, especially Lori Kane, um, uh, uh, fellow Canadian. But now I, for one, don't really hear a lot about LPGA golfers. However, if you go to Instagram, there's a lot of models who are, uh, you know, have a very huge following following. You think of Paige Spiranak, you think of Lucy Robson and, my question is, though, are they attracting the right attention? Like, are they actually, in your opinion, promoting the women's game of golf? Or, you know, are, are they just simply eye candy, if, for lack of a better term? Yeah, I mean, I mean, personally, I, I think in their aspects, like they're, they're taking, um, you know, their, their followers, their, their viewership and utilizing that to create content that then creates information. I mean, if you want, if you ever sit down like Paige, certainly she's an attractive person, like her Instagram photos, like you, you can't follow, you know, you'll see a bunch of guys floating through those, but like, if you ever sit down and watch a few of her videos, like she is a solid golfer, like, like she can, she can really play the game and she, she knows what she's talking about. So um, I think if you, if you just focus in on the fact that, you know, sometimes she's in a bikini on a photo and the next photo she's wearing a full set of golf clothes. You know, you, you got to take it with a grain of salt. I think she's utilizing um, the avenue that she's been given and she's elevating the, the world of women's golf in that way. Um, you know, I, I think you kind of compare the two. If you look back at, um, I think it was Ricky Fowler's commercial for uh, two under underwear or sacks or whoever it was. Now uh, that, that commercial where he's in the locker room and it looks like he's fully dressed, but he walks out just wearing a pair of underwear and he's, he's got his golf bag on his back. Didn't, didn't cause enough for at all. No one even made a statement about it. It was just, oh, that was a great commercial for Ricky. But, uh, you know, Paige posts an image on Instagram and, and instantly the thought is, you know, she's, she's putting down women's golf. So it's, uh, I, I think if you focus in on the, on the content and, you know, what it is that they're trying to develop, I think they're doing a great thing for the game. Uh, women, I think LPGA golf itself doesn't get its fair share. I think the PGA is kind of all encompassing. It uh, it takes over media, it takes over you know, TV slots, so it's it's tough for them to stand out. So I think golfers like Paige is uh, you know they're taking their their ability to create content and to create awareness, and you know trying to to put the LPGA on a stage on its own in that way. I think that's, that's a great thing. Uh, truthfully, I do think that Paige Spiranak has the crispest swing that yeah. I have, uh, I have uh, seen period. Uh, you know, I taking a look at her swing and seeing uh, the stability of uh, her 
her front leg and her uh, her lead wrist there. I, it was something that I took to heart. Absolutely. And yeah, with uh, I mean, there's always uh, there's something that I thought that uh, golf could uh, do. And in, in terms of its majors, like if they were able to play a, uh, consistently a week uh, before or after uh, a major, like, you know, off the top of my head, I don't really know where the LPGA majors lie on a calendar. And if there was a consistency in terms of because there seems to be uh, a clear understanding of where the PGA majors are, that if the LPGA had the same sort of uh, uh, calendar, uh, give or take two weeks, maybe there would be more recognition of when the big uh, LPGA events are. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, they, the unfortunate part is, is with their schedule, they tend to, to fight with some pretty big events. I mean, I think their last, uh, their last two majors last year, the first one uh, was on the same weekend as uh, the inaugural women's um, um, like Augusta open for the, the first mm. championship with women at, at Augusta that competed with one of their major tournaments. And of course, everyone's going to watch, you know, the Augusta event because that's, you know, it's the first of its kind. It's big. It's huge. So um, that's going to be a, a big play. Uh, the second one was held during um, Jack Nicholas's uh, memorial tournament. So like the hype is is it's the memorial. That's uh, that's what we got to check. And it, I think with the LBJ, it really comes down to to network time. I mean, they they focus a heavy amount of their investment as far as networks go in the Golf Channel. And realistically, you're just pulling people that already play golf. Um, cause you have to subscribe to the golf channel. Sure. It comes with some TV packages, but generally the people that are watching the golf channel are already in some way, shape or form avid golfers. They know what the LPGA is. They've, they've seen it before. They they're either interested or they're not. That's, that's completely up to that person, but, um, they don't really get the, the screen time on, you know, the NBCs or the, you know, CBC sports or, or whatever it is, uh, where they can start to pull in some of those golfers or even just sports fans that just are looking for something to watch on a Sunday afternoon. So I think that you know, the, their biggest thing is, is being in the public eye. They don't, uh, they don't really get out in the public eye that much, whereas the PGA is consistently out there. Like you, you'll see a, a 10 hour broadcast of, of the Byron Nelson from Sunday. And there might be, you know, three hours from 6am till 9am of the, uh, the women's event and you know, wherever it may have been. So, right. Right. Well, uh, Craig, I, I really, uh, really am thankful for uh, for this chat. Uh, it's really uh, great to talk about golf. Uh, very quickly, I'd love to uh, let people know of where, uh, uh, if they were in the uh, GTA in uh, uh, in uh, around uh, Halton region, uh, where can uh, people inquire if uh, they were interested in lessons? Where can they hit you up? Uh, yeah, I mean, I generally just right now I'm running things through, uh, through my personal emails, just Craig Sealer, C-R-A-I-G-S-E-E-L-E-R at gmail.com. Um, hit me up with a with a lesson request or even just a, a chat. If you want to ask me about equipment or you have something that's on your mind, just hit me up. I, uh, I'm just kind of with COVID, I'm, I'm shut down right now in terms of lessons. But once uh, things open back up, I'm pretty mobile. So I, I pretty much teach anywhere within the GTA. Um, I can make myself available at most uh, most ranges or courses. Um, PGA professionals are pretty good with each other in terms of working together for for setting up lessons. So, uh, yeah, if you're interested, just drop me a line, shoot me an email. I'd be happy to have a chat. Well, the uh, golf industry has been very vocal uh, to ensure that uh, courses are indeed safe when they do open up. 
uh, and return back to normal, it would be fair to assume that it's going to be a lot harder to uh, to find a tea time. Once again, Craig, uh, thank you so much for your time. Really appreciate it. No, thanks so much. Thanks for having me on. Craig Sealer is a PGA Class A professional and golf instructor based out of Milton, Ontario. Once again, thank you so much for joining us on What's Up the Sports podcast. You can find me on Facebook and Twitter at What's Up Podcast. I'm Randy Coure, and we'll talk to you next time. <laughs>